0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position by position analysis of the upcoming NFL draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the draft dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What's up, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins. Today is wednesday december 8th on the podcast and it's power to the pod which means it is your questions your topics your hot takes anything and everything pertaining to your miami dolphins fan mailbag episode this week starts right now you are locked on dolphins your daily miami dolphins podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day What's up, Dolphins fans? Welcome to another episode of Locked on Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com. And today's episode is brought to you by On Location. On Location is the official hospitality partner of the NFL and is the only place to score a -a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Visit onlocationexp.com slash sb Five six for more information or search Super Bowl on location. Hope everybody is doing well. I know I certainly am. Now uh, we we referred to these a couple of weeks ago as group therapy sessions. Not quite group therapy these days, but nevertheless, uh, an opportunity to connect and get a pulse on the Dolphins fan base and what you guys are thinking about and what's important to you and see guys like you and Jared and and George and Paul and. Ken Sean and OG Highway and Doug and Octavio and Brett in the the comments already on the YouTube channel. If you're watching this live, make sure you like the video, hit subscribe on the channel. If you're interested in the live interactive stuff, you can hit subscribe and you will get the push notifications when we do go live. As is always the case on Power of the Pod, we are starting with questions uh, from the iTunes reviews bucket. And I already got a bunch comments rolling in with topics and questions that you guys want to hit as well. So with that in mind, I want to start with Curly, who left a five-star review of the podcast, which I am very thankful for. Um, Loving the show over here in Northeast Scotland. It's always cool to hear those across the pond who are listening to the show. And he, he starts us with a heavy hitter. It's actually not a football question at all. But what is your favorite Scottish dram? Since I'm a whiskey guy and we are riding the whiskey train uh, on the winning streak for the Dolphins, I'm a big fan of McAllen personally. Uh, Dave O, five-star. Never miss an episode. Appreciate all your hard work. I appreciate you for listening. Now, let's say the rest of the season goes as well as we could hope and we went out and managed to get to a playoff game. And keep coaching intact for 2022. And we go all in on Tua. What do you think about taking the assets that were perceived to be spent on a quarterback and going after a DK Metcalf or someone of similar talent? Do you think any offense or defensive players could mesh with the current schemes would be worth a couple of ones? Greer did a fantastic job in 2021, but we can't forget, can't manage to forget that 2020 class. I don't think DK is the right kind of wide receiver for this offense. I, I think if you are going to go bombs away um, and like to push the ball down the field, I think that's where DK can shine. Um, but I I haven't really kind of taken a look at the contract situations across the league to be able to try to vet out high-level players that might be available. But you get a couple every year. And I would love to see if Miami is – going to try to bridge this year's momentum into next year. I do think spending premium assets, uh, be it in free agent spending or trading draft capital to go get a guy um, might make more sense. Uh, Obviously they tried to do that with Will Fuller this season and that hasn't materialized because he got hurt, but I liked the thought process there. And I think that is the kind of receiver he's a better route runner that he got credit for because he just hit so many home runs in Houston uh, but DK, I don't think has the same versatility to his route tree that I think would really benefit to it to have guys who are all over the place. I think about wide receivers like David Bell in the draft out of Purdue or Chris Olave. They're different styles of receivers, uh, but those are the kinds of receivers, not a 6 6'5 uh, vertical send it down field kind of guy. And I'm not sure. Obviously, DK's struggled the last couple of weeks with his production and Russ coming back, so... Uh, Maybe there's some disgruntledness there. I don't know if he would be available or not. I'm with it. Miami Dolphins, five-star view of the show. Do you think the effects of letting go of Bobby McCain contributed to the beginning struggles of the 2021 defense? Is it me or have I missed that conversation? I always thought the guy was scrappy and watched growth develop within his game all around since 2015. We all know he is another name in which we have drafted, put time into, and is no longer part of the team. Curious your thoughts on if Javon Holland and Bobby McCain's situation was handled different and Bobby was still here. How do you think the defense starts the season? Knowing our defense with Bobby McCain in that role last year and how that position is a main communicator with this defense is why I ask. Um, I definitely agree that Miami's slow start defensively probably had something to do with young guys in key spots. Javon being one of them, and we've seen now that he's got his feet wet a little bit, what it looks like, and we're all very excited for that. But Bobby was never like a splash impact player. He struggled with tackling in the open field. He was really smart. He made the calls, but he didn't have great ball skills at free safety as far as being able to consistently hunt and find the football either. So, And I think they tried to bridge that gap with Jason McCordy, too. Now, remember, he he was came came to Miami as a corner and transitioned into effectively being a uh, free safety. And the thought process there, I'm sure, was, well, he played under flow. He's going to know the defense. He can serve as that gap. And um for whatever reason, it just it didn't catch the way they probably hoped that it would. Finn fan 927. Kyle, what's the chances we get the future Hall of Famer Zach Thomas on the show so we can show him how much this fan base supports him and always has just crossed my mind, figured I'd shoot my shot. I can think of a very short list of people that I would more like to have on the show and talk to than Zach Thomas. So Zach, you're listening. Consider this an open invitation. If anybody out there knows Zach and wants to hit him up on behalf of Locked On Dolphins to get him on the show, I'm certainly going to listen. So, uh, (laughs) I feel good about his chances this year, though. I, I do. I think you know, a couple of close calls as a finalist, and it's not you're not going to have the wave of lock first ballot guys that we had last year. So we'll see what, what comes for Zach. This is our last iTunes review, which means we're getting ready to flip the switch and, and hit the live comments, and you guys keep sending them. I see the ones that you guys are dropping in here. I'm going to get to you in just a minute. This one comes from Bruns. fan, Kyle, keep up the good work. Have you taken a look at Darian Beavers from UC yet? Not yet. Seems like he might be an outside linebacker target in the middle of the draft. Van Ginkle has come on as of late, but it would be nice to have another option there with more size. Excited to read your write-up of him via the draft network. Yeah, so we started write-ups two weeks ago. At TDN, and they're they're actually just starting to go up on the site. That's what I was doing this afternoon was getting some of these write-ups up. Guys like David Bell, who I just mentioned at wide receiver from Purdue. Uh, Big Ten is one of the, the schools in, or conferences in my specific region. I think he'd be a really good fit. Really good fit. Uh, so I haven't seen Beavers yet, but he's a name that I'm going to earmark, and I agree that having more options for your hybrid rush linebackers so that you can continue to mix and match and find guys that can do more things well so that that way you don't stretch Van Ginkle too thin, which is kind of what it felt like they did early in the season. Avoiding those conflicts and having more versatile defenders so that Van Ginkle can be special teams guy and a third down pass rush specialist. And if you get him in that role, I'm going to like him a lot on the roster. But you can't stretch him too thin, and I think that is what we saw Miami do a bit of with a number of players this season as mentioned at the top of the show today's episode is brought to you by on location this is a really cool opportunity so anybody interested listen up super bowl 56 at SoFi is less than 100 days away and on location is the official hospitality partner of the nfl and they are offering the only place to score a -a once-in-a-lifetime super bowl ticket and experience package select your exact seats Choose from elite experiences, including an exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five-star LA hotels, and food by the great Wolfgang Puck. Visit onlocationexp.com SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. That's onlocationexp.com SB56 or search Super Bowl on location. Maybe you want to get a little money on the big game. online has got you covered. BetOnline has more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues the march to the playoffs and all the way to the Super Bowl. So your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code LOCKEDON. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports, and it is where the game starts. Comments are popping off. There's a bunch of you guys in here. Welcome. It's good to see you on the live stream. If you're listening to the podcast, think about joining one of these times. I I did give a little bit of notice, and in the offseason, we're going to have a lot more rhythm as far as wind power to the pod is, so you guys will have a chance to hop in this as well. So we're going to start with live questions from one from, Jared, will you be taking any trips to Miami the rest of the year or potentially the Monday night football Saints game? I will not be going to New Orleans uh, for Monday night football too close to the holidays, but that Week 18 contest against New England, I think we're going to do it. I'm like right on the cusp of pulling the trigger and getting it done. Uh, I think that's going to be the one that happens. If the Dolphins come out of the bye and they take care of business and they beat the Jets, then yeah, I'm not going to be able to help myself. I'm going to book the trip. We're going to hope that they win at least one more of the other two road games that they have, and that way Miami can be playing for a winning season, Uh, which all things considered, if we walk out of this thing with a winning season, I think we'll be very excited about what uh, the future could potentially hold and what the offseason is going to hold as far as decisions that the team is making. You wants to know which is the bigger trap game in your opinion, the Saints were the Jets, and I don't know that you can consider a road game in primetime football as a trap environment, so just kind of based on that technicality, I'm going to go with the Jets game. Uh, the Jets, they, they played Philadelphia tough. Zach Wilson, they, they found some life in the offense. Um, it's a divisional opponent that you've already played. So you, you got to fight the complacency that exists with already having beaten that team. I'll say the Jets game coming out of the bye, Miami, how do they handle that extra time? Do they rest on their laurels? Do they get comfortable based off the fact that they have won five straight? Does the, the bye rob them of momentum? That's the one that I'm most fascinated to see how they choose to handle their business. Here's Adam from the Colts game. Going on, bud. Lots to be excited about lately. Do you think Flores and Greer have saved their jobs? I definitely think Brian Flores has stabilized the situation to a degree in which I think he's probably not going anywhere. and, And any changes that they make are going to be tweaks to getting more experienced coaches in positions that when they do their vetting process and their evaluation, and we'll do the same thing here on the show at the end of the year, we have to the whole, we have the full 17 game sample size. Um, Assisting coaches. I, I don't think every, anybody and everybody should feel super comfortable, uh, but at the very least, I do think coach Flores has stabilized this situation in a big way with whatever changes they've made at the midway point of the season. Chris Greer, I can see a pathway for Chris Stang. Uh, But it would need to see this team continue to win, get to that winning record this season. And even then, with the expectations that were in place, I would not be surprised if they did feel compelled as though they had to make a change for trying to level this team up and, and get it past a, a potential p- plateau that they're worried about. Uh, I would see Chris being the guy who, who takes the axe in that regard. Jesse, what do you feel about the upcoming match versus the Patriots after this weekend's Monday night football against Buffalo? How do you think they game plan against Miami? By the way, I'm five beers deep for the five wins. I'm glad somebody's drinking with me. We're having a good time. Um, I think the game last night between, or on Monday night between New England and, and Buffalo is hard to take too much away from just because the elements kind of created this extreme environment. I think Miami will get tested by New England trying to do a lot of the same things conceptually that they tried to do uh, in the first matchup. They try to run the ball and obviously Raekwon uh, Davis went out in the second possession of that game and missed the majority of the game. Miami doesn't have as many dynamic players on the back end of their defense. Javon Holland running over cam newton smacking him like he's 190 pounds putting him on his back i think you got some some new faces in bigger roles um that that can help miami's run defense in that matchup but i would not be surprised to see them try and juice you up and run the ball and then play action pass off of it and Uh, obviously they're banking on Mac Jones and his development, and we're banking on the defensive players, and and we have with our development. Here's the thing I I anticipate with the Pats game. It's going to be a close game. I I think when coaches know each other that well, um, I'd be really surprised to see anything get too crazy or off the rails unless there's some injuries that take place over the course of the next month that could potentially impact that. OG Iway wants to know if Rob Gronkowski – Had the angle. And sources can tell me he still does not have the angle Kenyon Drake. Best wishes to Kenyon, by the way. He he got hurt this past weekend for the Raiders. Sounds like he's going to miss some time. Next question comes from Randy. Yesterday you said you wouldn't draft offensive linemen. What positions are you hot on for this draft for Miami? Now, my guy's talking my language. We're talking draft here on the bye week. I love it. Where's the draft looking strong so far? So it does look pretty good on the offensive line. I will say that it's really good in pass rushers, uh, particularly guys off the outside. Uh, Our last update that we did for the draft network, uh, we do a, a TDM 100 update, which is our top 100 prospects. We update that every month. And the last one had 20 pass rushers in the top 100 and another four that received votes plus another guy who's been suspended indefinitely for his team because of some legal issues that if he is uh, proven to be innocent and, and is available uh, to play would be 25. It's just an obscene class for pass rushers. I like the linebacker group a lot too. A lot of guys who can run to play some zone coverage on the second level. I think about potentially upgrading that Elan and Roberts spot and, keeping Elandon around to play some special teams and uh, guys like Jack Campbell out of Iowa and Chad Muma out of Wyoming, who I really, really like uh, as well. And, and Jack Sanborn from Wisconsin. Like there's a lot of guys that are going to be there in the middle rounds uh, in that regard. The running back class isn't super attractive. There's a couple of names that I think would make sense for Miami. You got Zach Charbonnet out of UCLA who runs super angry at him and originally came from Michigan. Hassan Haskins uh, from Michigan has a phenomenal year this year. They they obviously made the playoff. He rushed for like 1,500 yards this year. Kyron Williams is kind of cut from the same cloth as some of the guys you have on the roster now. He might be the best pass pro back I've I've seen in a couple of years, Uh, but he's only 200 pounds. He's like 5'9", 200 used to be a wide receiver. He was recruited to Notre Dame as a wide receiver before he played running back. So uh, he's an interesting player. My count for him is Gio Bernard, uh, who's played for 10 years and, and been a good third down back for a really long time, but took a lot of carries in the first three or four years of his career. So those are a couple of spots uh, that do jump to me. Uh, the corner class is also very strong. If you you want more depth there, the corner room too. So a lot of options. Ryan wants to know what the deal is with Liam. Looked pretty good week one against the Pats outside of getting tripped. Now he can barely keep anything in front of him. Yeah, this is one of the big mysteries, and in my opinion, an indictment of the coaching. Because you drafted Liam to be a high-floor player. Because you perceived him, three-year starter at left tackle for Notre Dame. Okay, you know, there's obviously a jump in competition here. You don't have prototypical length. I think that length he's experiencing having a hard time consistently landing his hands and, and striking and timing up his hands with NFL quickness on the edge. And as a result, I think he's trying to get out of his stance a lot quicker and, and drive for more depth to protect against speed. And then that opens you up for oversetting where guys can work inside off of you. Uh, and also you potentially don't have your base set and you end up getting railroaded. I know the, the play that looked like he got wrecked this past week against the Giants, he got tripped by Austin um, at left guard. So I know that was an ugly rep early on, uh, but much like the week one trip, uh, he got his feet tangled with with Austin, and that's kind of the the tough part about moving guys around, right? They don't really have the spatial understanding of where each other's going to be and how to stay out of each other's way and all that kind of stuff. So there's a part of me that almost feels like he'd benefit from a little bit of Michael Dieter time. Um Obviously, Michael was a starter in 2019, effectively redshirted the entire year in 2020 and then came back at a different position. I think Liam, if you did move him inside to guard, he would be protected from the length issue if that is ultimately what the decision is. I have a hard time really narrowing it down, but you could see like his stance has changed throughout the course of the season and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of a weird spot. It's kind of tough. Doug. Go since we're talking offensive line. Question for Kyle Should we be looking at moving Robert Hunt back to right tackle? I don't really see a great free agent option. So, we took maybe five minutes yesterday at the tail end of the show to go over uh, Pro Football Focus. Did top 75 incoming free agents or expected free agents for this year's upcoming class. Uh, Trent Brown is obviously one of interest if. You go that direction, and he's cut from the same cloth that the Dolphins have typically gone after, but he is an established talent at the NFL level, so maybe that's a guy. Um, but I would hate, like, you you really do have a good thing in Robert Hunt right now. And as much as we need an answer at right tackle, I would hate to start pinballing him and then risk derailing the progress that you have. You know, if we were in week six of the season before Rob really settled in, and it's like, well, we, let's be honest, like we can't do it with Jesse anymore. We got to move him out there and just get the best five out there. And we don't think that's, we don't think Robert Reichardt's going to give us our best five. That's one thing. But we're all the way at the end of the road now, and he's taken all these snaps and has been there all year. And I'm just kind of inclined uh, to to think you don't need stars all over the place, right? And Jesse Davis should not theoretically be a player that's hard to upgrade over. So. It's going to be a really interesting allocation of assets to say, okay, how much do we want to spend on the line? How much draft capital do we want to spend on the line on either experienced players or via rookies? And apply that to whatever we ultimately, when we get to the end of the year, vet the positions of need to be for the team. Joe wants to know how much Philip Lindsay can help the Dolphins in the run game and pass pro. He looked a whole lot quicker and more creative when he was forced off the rails uh, if the Dolphins' offensive line didn't win the point of attack than any of the other backs that you have. In my opinion, he should be taking as many reps as he is mentally comfortable and physically capable of taking. He's the most accomplished back on the roster. He's got two 1,000-yard rushing seasons. He's young. He's got fresh legs. Houston effectively did not use him at all. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He played like it uh, in in the game against Carolina. I would would give him as big of an opportunity as he is physically capable of handling. Jay, in terms of searching for another linebacker to improve on a run stopper, should we trade or get another free agent rather than the draft? Similar to the Rams, we got plenty of young talent. Yes, we do, but linebackers, one of those spots that you can usually get good talent in the middle rounds uh, because they are perceived to be a little less valuable from a draft perspective because the game is a lot of the time played in sub where you got multiple extra safeties and corners on the field and linebackers are perceived to be the guys that are most easily like Jerome was a third round pick, right? You didn't become Jerome Baker overnight, you know, and that there was some player development that was required there, but not dissimilar to Jesse Davis at right tackle. I don't think upgrading an all-around linebacker over Elan and Roberts should be overly challenging for Miami, so long as you have somebody you feel comfortable making the calls. So I think you could still get good value in the draft without a premium asset. And if you're getting a guy in the third round, I mean, his, his salary for the next three four years is going to be like 800 k Right? So it's not like you got to go out and get a guy that's getting paid eight, $9 million to kind of skip the line in that spot. I think there's going to be good opportunities that exist there. Speaking of good opportunities, it's the holiday season. Grab yourself a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, but high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy with Built Bar. So many flavors to choose from. Built Bar gives you the extra fuel you need to bust down those mall doors and battle holiday shoppers. Or if you're just standing in endless shopping lines, Built Bar can give you that something extra to keep you going. Throw it in your jacket or purse. You never know when you're going to need it. Right now, you can go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and save 15% off your next order. That is built.com promo code LOCK15, to save your next Order, 15%, the world's most delicious protein bar. Oh, I am not going to catch up to all of these questions. I respect it, though. I'm going to try and hustle as best as I possibly can. Get through as many of these questions as I can. Brett, are you ready to say this draft class is the best in the last 20-plus years for Miami? Yes, I am. You got two guys that set records for the franchise in production in the first uh, by the beginning, the first week in December. Javon Holland's not even included in there. Liam Eichenberg, regardless of his level of play, he is a contributing player. He needs to get better. They all need to continue to get better. But yes, this is this is a home run draft for Miami. Absolutely. Brock, since the Patriots won last night, do you still see a way we can sneak into the playoffs? Yes. If you win your games, the law of averages are going to take over. AFC North still has a lot of games to play against each other. The AFC West still has a lot of games to play against each other. So, um, I do believe if Miami takes care of their own business, it would take hard luck to not get in, And you know what? If you go 10 and seven after it's all said and done and you miss the playoffs again, like I'll be pissed for a little bit. But I'll also understand that, like, y'all did this to yourselves because you needed, you would have needed nine wins in a row to get to that point anyway. So get healthy, focus on the Jets one week at a time, trying to go one and oh, four more weeks after the bye, and just see what happens. Uh, Taylor, Kyle, imagine Tua behind an above-average offensive line to give a little bit more time for deep routes to develop. Is it dirty? Um, It certainly looked better than what it looks like now, and I will give Tua credit. He's continuing to develop um, and showcase his level of mastery of what the Dolphins are asking him to do based on what they feel comfortable and what the offense is capable of executing. So... Everybody's going to want to see more continued explosive plays and, and throws down the field. And I think as he continues to find that he can trust his offensive line, that's probably when a lot of those will come. Uh, I, I'm willing to be patient with what they are doing right now as long as you know if the path continues in the way that involves to a Valoa because I don't want to assume anything with, with what went on the, for the, the past nine months from the start of the year. If it continues down that path, there has to be an acknowledgement and a move to attack that and add more pieces to build that up. And I forget who it was, but I saw somebody had said, the Dolphins are an RPO team that can't run the ball. Like imagine, <laughs> Imagine what the RPOs will look like when there's a legitimate threat to run the ball, and you can beat guys up. And that's a great point. So I think either way, that luxury pick or that luxury addition at running back – will be big. And yes, we, we need more polish and we need continuity with whatever young guys we're going to continue to staple and say these are the guys that are the future of the line can get exciting uh, to, to build upon the foundation that's being laid for the offense right now. Josh wants to know which one of the backs in this year's class is the best fit for Miami and why is it Zach Charbonnet? It might be Zach Charbonnet. I'm going to be honest. Uh, Sheldon agrees with me. RB1, Phil Lindsey moving forward. Uh, Octavio, seeing last night's game, a.k.a. Monday Night Football, the key to beat Buffalo seems to be a good running game, and it's always great in December, January. How would you start to address Miami's running game in the offseason? You need at least one tackle, probably one interior offensive lineman and a running back that can run with power. You, you need a, a dynamic back at 215, 220. It's kind of the uh, the punch list that I have at this point in time. Next question, you guys. Just kind of working my way through here. Uh, Jacob, can Greg Mann's Austin Ryder or Solomon Kinley be any worse than the performance we're getting out of Austin Jackson? He is surely the most un- underperforming starter on the team. He kills drives and is putting Tua at risk. Yeah. I don't think Greg Mann's or Austin Ryder would be particularly good at, at guard, personally. Uh, Neither one of them offers a lot of size. Uh, Ryder was a disaster for the last two weeks before Dieter came back at center. And obviously you don't have to worry about snapping. Kinley, I'm not sure what's going on there. Uh, I would like to think Kinley can provide you with the, the juice and the push that you need in the offensive line. But it doesn't seem like there's trust there and i don't know if it's mental i don't know if it's physical conditioning i have no idea eric wants to know whose fault is it that the dolphins don't throw the ball down the field tua the coaches or the offensive line i don't know that it's anybody's fault um well yeah it's it's somebody's fault i think it, i think the offensive line does not have the consistency across all five players on enough plays for them to call targets that attack the intermediate levels of the field. And when they do, you do see that Tua doesn't really trust that in some some instances, and I saw this critique on social media and some Dolphins fans push back against it, but I do think it's fair. Like When he has to stand back there on the deeper set stuff and work through progressions, you do see the feet break down. The base breaks down a little bit because his internal clock is like, man, this doesn't feel right. And then the accuracy is not right because he's not lined up to throw correctly or because uh, he does feel as though he's having pressure because there's a shit ton of pressures that they've given up this year. So it's kind of this, everybody wants like one person or thing to blame on for any issue with the team. Right. You know, even go back to when we were struggling, it was who, whose fault is this? Who's got to pay? Who's getting fired? I think it's a combination and a blend of a number of things, and that's the challenge for evaluating it, but it's also that understanding that's going to best help you try to fix it. Chris, So I'll take this one because this one's interesting. Why can't coaches add 10 pounds to Gasecki and put him back on the line? I have a problem with this idea because it's, When you drafted Mike Kasecki, and I understand that this wasn't the coach that was here when you drafted Mike Kasecki, but when you drafted Mike Kasecki, you draft a player like Mike Kasecki, understanding what his strengths and weaknesses are as a player. And Adam Gase played Mike in pass pro for one out of every five snaps he took as a rookie. It's a disaster, right? So when you draft a player to do something and then you try to change his body type to make him do other things that aren't involved, What's his athleticism look like with 10 to 15 more pounds on his body? And even still, he gives adequate effort, but he's never going to stand out. He's never going to be a plus blocker for you. He can be a sufficient blocker. But if you add that weight on him and you ask him to do that, and you take away all of what he's able to do as a stretch guy up the seam or as a guy who across the middle of the field, I don't think those returns are going to give you something that would benefit other than just having two tight end stuff. I love 12 personnel. I do. I love the conflicts that that puts you in if you have other athletes that can, and a guy like Mike who can really test your ability to get lined up and have a matchup player to to contest him in coverage. John is sipping on some Knob Creek 12-year. Good for you. Good for you. Uh, our next question comes from a, a H. Why do so many fans and pundits dislike growing pains as an explanation for problems at the beginning of the season? Everyone from the head coach to the OCs to the QB are still learning. That's good. I think when you win 10 games, I think expectations change. Uh, And when the messaging from the coaching staff is the guys that are here are going to be the guys that determine whether or not this team sinks or swims effectively communicating that in their belief, the rebuild was over the maneuvers that they made to trade down and then back up for a wide receiver uh, in Jalen Waddle and some of the spending for a guy like Will Fuller and seemingly addressing the needs, the expectations for this team were were at one of which we expected to make the playoffs. And, And when that expectation changed at, one and four, one and five, one and six, and one and seven. Um, that that is a hard pill to swallow because our expectation we was we were going to close ground on the contenders in this conference, and for the first eight weeks of the year, you were one of the worst teams in football. And it's a troubling trend that this happens every year that this team starts slow. So. Yeah, there's growing pains within a season, but you you at some point you do need to be able to stabilize and at least play 500 ball, right? Like last year they were 3 and 3 through 6 games. They stabilized and then they went on a 9 and 3 run and finished 10 and 6. If you do that every year, you've got a pretty decent chance to make the playoffs. But there were stretches of play for the first 8 weeks. and I understand the quarterback was hurt and they had some injuries here and there. I mean, it they looked worse than 2019 at times. So I get growing pains, um, but the messaging in the off-season and the expectations that were set in place because of that messaging painted a different picture for you, that's all. I want to get one more question. And it's going to come from Divine. Do you think Tua being a lefty is a contributing factor to the Dolphins having the most drops at this point in the season? A self-proclaimed Tua stand here. Um, I know it's different, but at the same time, like you're catching passes from him all offseason. It's not like he's the backup and he gets put in and everybody in, in one game, everybody forgets how to catch the ball because the spin's different. They should, at the very least, be acclimated at this point. Jerry Rice talked about when they made the switch from Montana to Steve Young, he caught a bunch of balls. They put the, they put the spin on the jugs machine the other way so that the ball had the same spin as a lefty throw. I just think there's concentration drops, and, and some of these guys have consistently battled uh, with concentration drops. And I do think Tua is, generally speaking, a very accurate passer. Um, I think this past game was not his best work. He said so himself in the post game ball placement. I thought was C plus against uh, the giants. I'm looking forward to a bounce back. Um, and I, I think maybe the switch back and forth between Jacoby and how he throws a ball and Jacoby, everything's juiced up all the time. And so I'd have to go and look and see when a lot of these drops happen, but I'm sure as everything, there's a bunch of contributing factors, right? And it's just exploring, and and maybe that's something we'll log away as well and look for this offseason when this season comes to a close. Really enjoyed hearing from so many of you. We're up over 38 minutes on Power to the Pod, which means it's time for me to head out of here. i got to go watch the All-22 of Sunday's game. That's next on my list because we're going to be talking about that on the Thursday episode Thanks, as always, for tuning in. If you're live on the YouTube stream and there's a whole bunch of you that are in here now and have been riding all the way through this thing, so great to see you guys. Appreciate you stopping by, talking a little Dolphins football. Make sure you like the video, hit subscribe on the channel, so anytime we go live or we're streaming videos, you'll get that notification. You'll know it. If you want to pop in, you can. If you're listening on the podcast, thanks, as always. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On. Dolphins and Kyle Krabs signing off. Make it a good one. Enjoy your victory Wednesday. We'll be back tomorrow for Victory